This is an NBA Sound System presentation of Basketball Jones with Mark Jones, produced by Hall Pass Media. To watch the entire video series, visit hallpassnetwork.com. Now, Mark Jones. And hello, everybody. My name is Mark Jones, the host of the Basketball Jones. Our guest this week is the head coach of the Atlanta Hawks, Lloyd Pierce. Lloyd, thanks a lot for joining us this week on the Basketball Jones. I just want to say before we get started, our prayers, our heartfelt prayers uh, go out to the family of George Floyd, who was buried yesterday, memorialized. And uh, we want to send out our thoughts and prayers for God's cover and provision for his family, for his friends, for his daughter, that they might have serenity and peace and that he may rest in paradise and that his death might further illustrate the ills that we are going into in our society right now of police brutality, racial inequality, uh, race-based preferential treatment that we may as a country finally begin a meaningful dialogue and work towards some solutions in that matter, and that, yes, black lives matter, and that we can't say all lives matter until we can say black lives matter. With that, let's get the show started. Uh, Coach, uh, thanks a lot for joining us. This has been, uh, man, I, I saw something on social media the other day. It's like, and it was kind of funny. You're an Atlanta guy, you, the Atlanta Falcons, the Super Bowl. Somebody tweeted, can't believe that coronavirus blew a 28-3 lead to racism. <laughs> <laughs> Just to make light of the, the situation, you have to laugh sometimes at, at what hurts. But um, there is, as you said earlier, I saw one of your interviews, an appropriate fear of being, being a black person, a black male, especially in this country right now. And it's time that we start looking for solutions and you are part of the National Basketball Coaches Association Diversity Task Force. Um, give us the genesis of that movement and what your role is in it and what ultimately um, action steps look like and what accomplishment looks like in that context. You know, I, I think the biggest thing for me to start out saying is, is, is echoing what you said, Black Lives Do Matter. And um, when we acknowledge that, when we acknowledge why it's important to, to be able to say that is when we can start talking about solutions. Mm -hmm. And so this committee that was formed by the head coaches uh, in the National Basketball Association was really geared towards acknowledging that Black Lives Matter and the intolerance uh, for the police brutality, the intolerance for the African-American community struggling economically um, to just adjust, just to be on the, the, the equal grounds mm -hmm. uh, in so many different ways to acknowledge the true history of oppression and, and being brought over here as slaves in, in the 400 plus years and the impact that it had is why we're, we're um, having a hard time watching Derek Floyd's death live mm -hmm. on camera, cold-blooded, right in the middle yeah. of the street. Um, because we have yet to acknowledge that as a country, we have yet to acknowledge that as a society, we have yet to acknowledge that in our institutions, amongst our friends, amongst our families, 
And so I think it just it just hit a tipping point. I think that's kind of the common phrase that's been shared is that it's just hit a tipping point. And like you said, with the coronavirus, here we go from a pandemic yeah. to I mean, who? Yeah. Who knew? Right. Who, 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 who knew we would come into that and then end up where we are? And, and now you just see protests. And, and, you know, I'm not saying that we should discredit or discontinue the severity of the, the pandemic. Uh, but this is this is something that's been going on a lot longer than the pandemic and the coronavirus issue. And it just hit a, it just hit a, a point where enough was enough and people yeah. needed to express that. And, and we have to get back to the origin of the problem, which is we haven't addressed uh, racism, oppression, slavery, African-American history right. um, enough in this country for us to actually move forward. It was interesting, Lloyd. Um, yesterday, uh, where I work at ESPN, we had a uh, we had a very spirited, very passionate discussion amongst uh, our announcers about the issues and the experiences that uh, black announcers go through. Um, simple things, um, traveling to college football games, um, driving through the South at night, not wanting to travel at night, potentially being over, being pulled over and racially profiled by police at night. And the takeaway, one of the takeaways was I was, I was blown away by how many of my colleagues uh, through no fault of their own, maybe had no idea of the two different worlds that we actually exist in in one different country. What kind of conversations have you had with the people of your organization in terms of uh, bringing those things out into light first so that we can deal with it moving forward? Well, I mean, it, in a, for, from a personal experience standpoint, when, when you speak of things that common is probably a bad word, but it is, it's common for us to just, yeah. To, you know, and I saw some of the things you wrote and to, to just uh, to go into this defense mode when you're in the yeah. south at night yeah. or you're you're, you know, walking down the street. You saw my uh, social media, huh? Yeah, I mean, but yeah. it, but it's true. I'm we all have truths. Yeah, we, we all have that story. We yeah. all have that story of being called the N word, you know, yeah. in high school. And when you're going to an, another opponent's uh, home court, we, we all have that story of, of understanding, you know, it's, it's dark. I'm out here by myself. This is kind of a distant area and there goes a police officer. Yeah. Um, and you go into a, you go into a common mode of, you know, be prepared. Don't do anything crazy. Um, your white colleagues aren't going to understand that because in a sense, it's just a natural reaction for me to do that. Right. It's not necessarily a story for me to share every single day or every time that happens. You just do it. You just know yeah. you're doing it. You do it without thinking. It happens. You move on. You get home, and then everything's fine. No big deal. Um, and so, some of the stories I've shared is: I am here in Atlanta. Um, over fifty percent of our population is African American. Um, I got on a regular T-shirt right now and some Beats by Dre headphones. And if I were walking down the street, no one would say that has to be head coach of the Atlanta Hawks. I'm just a regular, normal looking Atlanta black man um, in this city. And 
I express that often because I've only been a head coach for two years and I've been this black man for a long time, 44 years to be exact. Um, and so I don't walk around assuming people know me as a head coach. I walk around knowing they see a six foot three black man sure. and the experiences that we know for African-Americans, particularly black men, are that it's not easy. It's not comfortable. It's not cozy. Don't ever assume that you have privilege. Don't ever assume that you're going to get away with it. Yeah. You're a target by the skin of your color. Uh, no matter where you are, no matter what you're doing, it, it can happen that quick. Sure. Um, and so I just, I just share that because, um, I can't, I can't, do, I can't dress myself up to look and be a coach or to look and to show privilege and say, Hey, you know, I, I'm a head coach. Hey, I have privilege. I'm not that guy. Uh, nor do I ever want to, nor do I ever want to feel like I have privilege and that's my escape. Right. Um, I shouldn't have to think that way. I don't want to have to think that way. Um, so just sharing that and trying to make, make that, um, the realistic side of what we as black men go through every day, just making that more common. You know, you, you don't have to think about that, but I do. Right. And I have yeah. to think about that for my nephew. I have a nephew that has Asperger's. He's 22 years old. Um, you know, they've talked about so many different things that can, can happen, you know, right. dealing with law enforcement We've and seen that. Yeah. mental health and, um, you know, whatever the case may be, disabilities, whatever the case may be that people may have, or just being young, just being a teenager, a young man that's out there. Yeah. And when and having, having said that, Lloyd, let me let me start you there a little bit. You have a very young team. Right. And part of, I think, coaching, maybe more so in the college uh, end of the equation, but maybe so in the NBA a little bit, maybe not as much with, with a young team. Do you talk to your team about voting i know yesterday you and your lovely bride got out and, and and voted tell us about your experience voting yesterday i understand there are some difficulties um and tell us about how you address voting to your team and maybe how college coaches need to talk to their players about i mean it, it's never enough let's yeah. just start there it's never enough my, my first training camp um here in atlanta we set up, I think it was through Rise Up, I believe it was the agency. We set up, we brought Rise Up into to Media Day and we had a station at Media Day so every player could visit the station and just get that registration done there. Um, and it was important to address that. And it's even more important to keep talking about it. And so I'll, I'll take I'll, I'll take the hit. I'll say it's never enough. We, we have to talk about it more. We need to talk about it more. And I think people are starting, our players are starting to realize it more. Um, there's so many things to talk about. And sure. our guys, we're on Zoom Thursdays and Sunday, and we've had conversations, uh, not about everything, but you know, I've expressed my vulnerability as an African-American man uh, after the George Floyd, and, George Floyd and Amy Cooper incident in that same week. Um, sure. I've listened to them express their thoughts and emotions about what's going on. Uh, have we got to the voting part? Not, not, not quite. Have we got to the education part? Yeah, we've talked yeah. about you need to educate yourself, but there's so many things you have to talk about to, to, right. to young men um, because we don't we're not getting that information anywhere else. And so yeah. it's 
uh, but we need playbook. to. It's a very deep playbook. And it's, it's funny because uh, I got into some very constructive discussions with some collegiate coaches about, uh, I, I honestly think that if you're not talking to your players, especially your African-American players about voting or making time for them to vote, then I would equate that to coaching malpractice. Seeing as how African Americans in this country literally died for the right to vote. Yeah, and I think I think when you take the bigger picture of it, um, it's one of the areas that that I think we're going to spearhead our focus as a as a coaches, um, our, our coaches right. committee on racial injustice and reform. Right. I think we're going to our our first step is going to be how can we impact our communities with education about the origin of the African-American plight and the history of, of, of slavery and the history that that is not being told on the college campuses, not being told in our elementary and high schools. Yeah, like the Tulsa uh, massacre. Yeah. The Tulsa massacre, obviously, is, has come to light um, yeah. for a lot of us in the past couple of weeks. But just understanding the fact that we've never we've never properly dealt with slavery right. and racism. And, 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 and all of the things that have occurred, lynching, I talk about lynching, you know, lynching is, is <laughs> George Floyd was lynched. Yeah. And they and didn't have to put him on a, not, they didn't have it, to put a noose on him to, to, yeah. to call it lynching. That, that yeah. was modern day lynching. Yeah. And it, uh, unfortunately is not illegal in this country. A right. bill that is, uh, not being signed off on right now, but that's, a. Uh, that's a discussion, unfortunately, for another time. Um, Lloyd, let's let's move on to a little bit of basketball in on the court sense. You you have a very young team, and uh, recently it was you know with the twenty two teams going to Orlando, uh, it's going to be nine months off now between games for for you guys. Um, uh, when you look at your team, uh, you had a very nice little run between January right up until the time that. Um, your team, um, you know, the season was truncated now. Uh, I think you went 12 and 15 to finish things off. Uh, what started to work for you guys? Well, you know, it's when you're young and when you're playing a lot of young guys, it's important to have their availability. Um, obviously missing John for 25 games early in the year, dealing with Kevin Herter's injuries early in the year to start the season. Cam Reddish was coming off. I mean, he, he didn't do anything in the summer. Um, and there's a guy that we played, you know, I think the first three months, he's averaging 26 and a half minutes per game. Uh, but that was a slow progression. Uh, DeAndre Hunter and Trey are probably the two guys um, from start to finish. Start to finish were, were consistent starters. And, you know, DeAndre's in his first year, Trey's in his second year. Right. Um, you're excited about the growth of each guy. I know we all are here. Each of those guys sh showed a tremendous amount of growth with the opportunity. Cam, it took him from start to finish to really get out of a deep, deep slump into, you know, wow, this kid's pretty special. Trey kind of carried over from last year and then took it up two or three notches and, and put himself as an all-star starter as a second-year player. You know, John, when he returned to us in, in late December, um, you know, he just, he just hit it running and he ends up averaging 20 and 10 basically and shooting 58, 40 and 80, uh, Mr. Efficient. Um, and Deandre was steady, you know, he gets his ups and downs as a rookie, but to play, you know, pretty much every game and, and to start in every game that he played, 
uh, was great. And Kevin Herter, you know, his three-point percentage goes up. He's a 41, 40% three-point career shooter in two years. His volumes go up, which we really wanted. Um, but the availability of all five of those guys, in addition to finally getting some help with Jeff T coming on late and bringing back Dwayne Deadman, uh, some veteran experience. You see the growth of a young guy like Brandon Goodwin add into the mix. Um, all of those things contributed to us finally getting some momentum late in the year and seeing what we're capable of doing. But it, it you know, it we don't have that 15 year, 13 year multi all-star on our roster. And so we need every guy to contribute. And when you have young guys, it takes a little bit of time, especially when they're not available. Yeah. You have um, worked for some pretty impressive coaches. And uh, uh, one of the guys that really was instrumental in your, your early development, uh, uh, Mike Brown in Cleveland, uh, working with LeBron James was uh, in Cleveland at the time. And, you know, Golden State as an assistant, uh, with Steve Kerr, uh, the Grizzlies as an assistant, the 76ers as a part of Brett Brown's staff. Um, during that journey that started at Santa Clara University as a player, Lloyd, you've accumulated this wonderful reputation when you speak to people around the league as one of the top player development guys, amongst other things, uh, including tactical uh, assessment and, and strategies. But the player development uh, thing really seems to be a big uh, cog in your huge wheel. How did that happen with you? And uh, where did you refine that? I mean, the stories go back a long way in terms of you having a, a reputation as a, one of the best in the league at that. Well, I, I don't, I don't take any credit for player development. Um, you know, my first stint three years in Cleveland and you've got Daniel Gibson and Shannon Brown and, and JJ Hickson and Danny Green and, um, obviously your stars, LeBron, um, guys like that. And you, you get around greatness. You get around guys that love to compete, that mm -hmm. love to work. And to me, it was match their energy or top their energy and just be consistent in being there with those guys. And um, did I make LeBron better? No, no chance. <laughs> um, did I make any of those guys better? I don't take any credit for a player's skill enhancement. What I think I try and get is their respect. And I try and earn that credibility for wanting to play one-on-one, wanting to be physical, working out against LeBron, uh, wanting to hit him a little bit and just kind of be as great a defender as I can when we're doing one-on-one -on -one drills on a Friday at his high school in Akron. Right. You know, the best I can do is, is, is make it tough for him. Yeah. Players respect that. And Mike Brown was instrumental in, in, in introducing that sweat equity concept about you know you, you if they're working you're working if you hear the ball bouncing you get out there that was why I think people respected uh working with me is I was never afraid of the challenge I never kind of was a yes sir no sir kind of guy I was willing to work I was able to work uh I stayed in the gym and that more than anything is what players want they want someone that's going to push them challenge them uh be there with them be consistent and know that they want to know that you're there to help them get better. And, and that's the most important thing. You, the drills, uh, you know, the ball handling drills and the, the skill moves. <laughs> right. You know, <laughs> anybody can teach that or come up with something. And, and I don't even know how much of that actually applies to the game. Uh, working on footwork, being in the gym, um, watching film, breaking that stuff down. 
and, and sweating just as much as the player. I think that's the respect you want to earn. But there's there's a there's a though for a coach who can actually go on the floor and say, "Hey DeAndre or Hey Cam, I, I noticed your shot not quite square with your shoulders or." you know, your elbows a little bit out and get on the floor and work with them like that, right? How, how quote-unquote, hands-on are you with, with some I mean, of the players? I, I'm on the court. The guys know when I, when I have my, my, my long sleeve tights on, they know I'm, <laughs> I'm ready to get going a little bit that day. Uh, it's kind of a running joke. You know, John Collins is always, okay, coach, I see what's going on today. Um, you know, I, I'm not out there as much as probably advertised. I, I do try and hop into defensive drills. I do try and hop in you know, any way that I can just to touch right. them up, just to connect, stay connected, you know, but when you go out to a court and you say, Hey, I, I noticed something with your shot. It's really not the physical part that they're, that they're really enjoying. It's the fact that you're watching film, you're studying their game. You're able to notice small nuances and then bring it to them. To me, right. that shows that you're invested in them and that's what they hear. Hey, I got three clips that I saw where your shoulders weren't quite, square with the basket they're like wow coach watched film on me and he was able to notice this small small little nuance it isn't me going on the court and showing them that's that's kind of the dessert of it right um, the main part is the fact that i'm watching film and i'm breaking down their shot their footwork their technique their whatever nuance that helps them get better is what i think players get from it I mean, the list is pretty impressive. I've spoken to the guys in Philadelphia about the work you've done with them when you were on the Sixers staff. We mentioned Cleveland. Um, is, is there one particular LeBron James workout that, that jumps off the page at you in terms of being a memorable one or uh, one where you know it went on forever or that really signified what kind of guy he was going to be? Because you, you saw him in the big picture pretty early in this now 16 year journey in his career? You know, the, I wouldn't say one workout. His, yeah. He's not inconsistent. Let's just yeah. say that he's a, he's a tremendous worker, the best I've ever seen. He's consistent in the fact that he does it. He doesn't take a week off or he yeah. doesn't take four days off. It doesn't matter where we are in the country um, yeah. or what happened the night before. It's always about the work. Um, the nice. one thing I respected, and it was great for me growing up in the league, uh, we would get to Vegas and CP would show up and LeBron's level would turn up. Like he couldn't, he didn't want to be out work. Really? Dwayne Wade would show up. We were in Miami. We'd work out and his level would turn up, but he would embrace other people because that, that kept the challenge going. That kept the fire going. That kept the energy going. You know, we had KD come to, to Akron and we did right. three, three days of workouts there. And so just being introduced to some of the other guys and then seeing him kind of take the charge, lead the workouts and then turn his level up. It, it made my job easy just to conduct wow. the workout. Um, and I just felt, you know, that's what the summers are for. You, you yeah. have to get outside of your comfort zone. You've got to work with other guys. You've got to go play against other guys. And you've got to find ways to keep that fire burning and that challenge going. Uh, he, he never was going to show up to a workout and then let someone else outwork him. Sure. Uh, and I, I can remember, and, you know, maybe you can convince LeBron, because I know you still got juice with him. Maybe you can convince LeBron to play for USA Basketball in the upcoming Olympics. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you're part of that staff with Coach Popovich and Steve Kerr, yourself, Jay Wright. Um 
tell us about what you're looking forward to, assuming that everything gets worked out and we're going to have a, a roster that is representative of, you know, what the USA can ultimately do. Um, what turns you on about USA basketball? Well, I mean, I'm a kid at heart in yeah. terms of basketball. What was that experience like in last year? I mean, yeah, and, and you just you think of growing up and every Olympic experience that you were able to witness on TV, and you think of 92 with the Dream Team. And, right. you know, my good friend Steve Nash and watching his growth as a player playing for Team Canada and him coming right. back. Uh, being different. And so, you know, the joy is the fact that I get to do it. Let's just start there, that I'm sure. that I'm one of the coaches that will be coaching on that staff. The the extra added benefit is, are you kidding me? I'm working with Steve Kerr, Greg Popovich, Jay Wright, Jeff Van Gundy. Yeah. Um, this is who I get to spend 45 days talking basketball with, Jerry Colangelo. Sure. Uh, dinner after dinner, meeting after did meeting. Help you, did, did Popovich let you pick the wine at all? Never. Never? And, and nor did I want to. That's, <laughs> it, that's, that's my guy. He, <laughs> his, 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 his routine is impeccable. And uh -huh. so not, not interfering. You, you have to know your lane and you have to stay right. in your lane. Right. And, okay. and uh, I just want to stay in my lane and, and do what I'm supposed to do. But no, it, it was a unbelievable experience to spend time with those guys and really like remote it remotely. Um, you know, we, we were, we were stuck in China for however many days and, and we were, we we're stuck in Sydney and stuck in Melbourne. And, and you have these long days, long drawn out days, meeting practice, uh, post meeting, and then dinner. Uh, my family came to Australia and then they left. And so I, I'm looking forward to every dinner, every meeting I'm enjoying it. And, and I, couldn't have asked for a better experience. And I look forward to the, the USA basketball because not only was, was the Olympics taken away this summer, it's just going to make it even more of a pressing need for, for guys that, you know, if this is their last opportunity to play, right. this is it. This is that window. And yeah. we all appreciate that experience. So I think the guys that will show up next summer for that Olympic experience will show up knowing this summer and this off season and the context of everything that we've gone through and appreciating representing USA, hopefully in a much better light than we're talking about USA right now. Hopefully there's right. a lot of change uh, and we feel prouder to put on uh, th that uniform with those three letters. Yeah, that, that's a great point about all the implications of what we're going through domestically and then going abroad and representing the country uh, on the basketball court. Um, let's talk about your San Jose roots, man. I mean, you, you mentioned, uh, you know, Steve Nash went to Santa Clara, you're Santa Clara grad, um, from San Jose, Yerba Buena high school, um, leaping Lloyd back in the day, <laughs> catching those alley-oops, you know, man, you guys are, wow. Okay. <laughs> All right. Uh, that's a the, the state champion, district champion, no, regional champion. No, Tell me. no, you know, basketball in San Jose is really not a hotbed. Um, okay. There's a few pri there's a there's a um, private private school league that has kind of the top notch. I think you've heard of Archbishop Mitty. That's sure. where uh, Aaron Gordon went and Drew his brother Drew Gordon. Um, and they've had a lot of actually a lot of WNBA players come out of Mitty. Um, but that's kind of the big basketball school but san jose is not it's not oakland it's not la in terms of basketball 
Where'd you go for your run then? Where'd you go get your I did. I, I went, I mean, in college, I would, we played in the San Francisco Pro-Am. A teammate of mine in the San Francisco Pro-Am was, was Phil Handy, assistant coach with the Lakers. Uh, we played every year together in the summer. Uh, in high school, you'd have to go up to San Francisco. There was a, a, a spring league where all the guys played, and mm -hmm. it was tremendous. Um, but no, I, I was the section player of the year, but we didn't, we didn't win. Uh, we got bounced in the second round of our sectionals, um, both years, but both my, uh, junior and senior year. Uh, but no, I, I love San Jose. I, I love yeah. being from the Bay area. I think it's the greatest area in the world. Uh, such yeah. a, so diverse, I'm looking for a diverse I'm area. Looking for I'm looking for a crib out there, man, because yeah. well, uh, uh, I, hope, I hope they're paying you well. <laughs> yeah, I hope they're paying you. Got a real estate person for me out uh, there? I, I, I can find you one. I, you know, I, I wouldn't expect a whole lot, is what I'm trying to tell you. Okay, so a little shoebox for like yeah. three thousand a month. Yeah, I'll three, be ready. Uh, for it. Three thousand. Uh, yeah. Good luck. <laughs> <laughs> good luck. So tell tell me about okay. You you finish your career uh, at your Buena High School and. How did you decide on Santa Clara and what kind of impact did your your coach there and your career there have on you moving forward? You know, I, I didn't know where I wanted to go coming, out of, coming yeah. out of high school. And I took a trip to Santa Clara and Nash was my host and my assistant coach, uh, Marlon Garnett, was, was, was the co-host. Um, I just felt the connection of the guys was tremendous. Um, yeah. they, they were they were all great guys. Everything they did, they were together. Uh, and my coach, the one thing I appreciate about Coach Davey, Dick Davey, um, you know, I knew they were recruiting me for a long time and, and I appreciated that. I remember vividly him telling me a story of me and my mom walking into a summer league game and he's sitting in the stands and he just recognized how close she and I were. And I thought that was important. I thought his observation was extremely important, but also thought his observation of my game was important. He, mm -hmm. he wasn't, he wasn't, I don't know if I can cuss, but he wasn't kissing my ass. Right. Um, he was very much critical about what I needed to work on and some areas of development and growth that I needed. And, and that's what I was looking for. I didn't want to go somewhere where, you know, I was a great athlete and, you know, just someone was going to use me for my athleticism. I wanted to go somewhere that I felt I was going to grow as a person and a player and just seeing the team growth, a team connection. And then the coach and his observation, I just thought it was a perfect fit. Right. Tell me about your official visit. Because you said Steve Nash was one of your hosts on that vision. Where, where did he take you? What did you guys do? And and what, what did he say or do anything that kind of sealed no, the deal? I actually took him to my homecoming. <laughs> yeah, homecoming was that. Homecoming, high school homecoming. High school, um, we had an afternoon football game uh, on, on campus. And, you know, I'm my high school's 10, maybe 15 minutes away from Santa Clara. And, and you know, we had a barbecue or we had a breakfast at, on, on campus at Santa Clara for the, uh, for the recruiting trip with all the guys. And then we kind of had a free afternoon and he said, well, what do you want to do? I said, well, actually, you know, I'm missing homecoming right now. Yeah. And he says, I'll go. And so we went to, uh, we went to a homecoming football game and then, uh, you know, and he, you know, he was Nash, but he wasn't Nash. Yet. Right. Right. Uh, so it was great. And it was, it was, it showed, I mean, it's that Steve, it shows his yeah. humility. That's who he is. But we went and watched the football game, and then we all partied that night. A, a lot of my buddies from high school came out to Santa Clara, and they went to the party with me. So, you know, the combination of, of being able to go home, but also my guys being able to come to the campus sure. uh, was great. And, 
you know, I, I got uh, I got a little stranded at the end of the night and ended up having to hang out with my high school buddies. But, you know, it's just it's just college life. It's, it's hey, kind of what happened. Hey, you made a left and everyone made a right. <laughs> <laughs> we know how that goes sometimes. What, what about your relationship with Steve? I mean, when you get on campus and you see this dude from Canada and he's listening to Nas and, you know, some of the old 90s uh, hip hop guys, old school East Coast hip hop. Uh, what were your impressions initially of him? And now that you guys have become really good friends and, and teammates right after that. Yeah. I mean, he was the leader of the crew. Um, he, he was our best player, no doubt. Uh, but he was all, he's always been humble and, you know, he lived in a house with, with I think five other players that were on the team. And so they were older and established as a crew. So I was the young guy, you know, I was in a class of two or three and they had already had an older class, um, a group in that older class, but it wasn't, there wasn't any separation. We were all close. Uh, but I just, I just liked how, you know, how humble he was, um, how much of a leader he was and how passionate about the game. Here's a guy, I think coming back from his team Canada experience, he just was a different player at the end of his junior year, going into a senior year, mm. already talking about, you know, what he was putting in his body from a health standpoint, things that didn't even cross my mind. That none of that stuff crossed my mind. Right. Um, but again, like you said, he was a big Nas fan, um, yeah. you know, was cool as cool as a fan and has, and, and still is. And that's why we're all still connected. Uh, yeah. you know, how often, just, does he, how often do you guys, uh, communicate in terms of during the course of this year, as we look at some of the pictures of the yeah. two of you in Atlanta, does he, does he come in and work with you guys? I know that Trey young is, is, is really tied to Steve and really picks his brain and, watches a lot of uh, videotape of uh, his pick and roll game back in the day. Yeah, I think the beauty, you know, that was, that was, it, it, even if I weren't here, Trey was going to get connected to Nash. He grew up being a fan of Nash and, and, and really they were able to forge their own friendship. If I'd say it that way, uh, you know, Steve was gracious enough to come out to our shoot around in LA uh, last year, or maybe it was early this year. Um, he's, he does some stuff with TNT and he's been here in Atlanta and I was able to come by the studio and connect with him, uh, with team USA last summer when I was in LA, we were able to take my wife and daughter over to his house and, uh, you know, just catch up. And that's kind of, you know, it's kind of how it is when you're, when you're an adult, like you, right. you have to pick and choose those little small opportunities to catch up, but we catch up over text, you know, exchanging messaging, you know, he sent me something. Uh, just as recently as last week with regards to everything that's going on and what I'm posting or what he's posting. And, um, there's never been a, a, a down part. Anytime we were in the same city, any opportunity, I should say, we had an opportunity in the same city throughout the, in my NBA career. Uh, we grabbed dinner, grabbed lunch. Um, you know, just a normal, normal friendship. It's just that's who mm -hmm. Steve is though, if you get to know him. Nice. Um, before we wrap things up here, I um – you know, we're getting back to and staying in in the Bay Area. My wife and I are big foodies. Our whole our entire family is. Give me your top three <laughs> places to eat when you go back to the old neighborhood in San Jose and you go visit your family and your people and you say, I need to go grab. Mark, Mark you know the answer to this one. Everyone <laughs> knows the answer Mom. to this one. No, 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 no. All you, gotta do is, all you have to do is look at my social media. If you don't go to Roundtable when you get off the plane and get some pizza. Okay. Yeah, okay. It's, you it's know what? All, I think it took my daughter there on the visit. Uh, it's, it's, spots. Yeah. Okay. It's, it's, it's blasphemy if I don't go to Roundtable when, when I get back. It's, it's actually 
you know, soon as I post the picture, everyone is like, oh, I guess LP's back in the Bay. Um, <laughs> <Really>? <laughs> but no, I, I'm a big round table pizza guy. It's, table it's, pizza. it's my heart. It's what I do. Um, you know, honestly, I've been, I've been out of San Jose for 14 years now. Right. And, um, you know, food preferences and tastes have changed. <laughs> you gotcha. know, I'm 44 now. I left when I was yeah. 31. Uh, I'm not a foodie, but I enjoy wine. I enjoy a nice meal. Uh, back then, my budget was, was a little bit different. And uh, <laughs> right, you know, I was right. eating roundtable a lot more often. So I, I don't have a particular place. You don't do coupons anymore. I get it. I yeah, get it. <laughs> I'm, I'm trying to say it with uh, a little bit of politeness and dignity. But no, I, I've... Uh, you know, I grew up on on all the, the the fast food stuff, and Roundtable is the one consistent that I just no matter what I'm 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 getting my Roundtable. Yeah, who's the one Bay Area basketball player that you would say it had the biggest impact on you uh, growing up? You know, in San Jose and and moving forward, making it to college through high school. Was there a guy? Because there's so much rich history when you look at the guys that have come out of that area. You know, so many great players, you know, Gary Payton, Brian Shaw, who's going to be coaching the new uh, the G League uh, premier team. Um, There's so many guys to choose from. Antonio Davis. Um, Is is there a guy that you had a relationship with that was maybe a mentor or or helped you at a critical time? No, not 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 in that regard. I'll tell you two stories. Jason Kidd uh, was a couple years ahead of me and a friend of mine said, you know, there's this guy in Oakland that's the best high school player in the country. And I think I'm like a freshman or a sophomore at the time. And I'm like, whatever. <laughs> um, and then I saw him play. And wow, the uh, fastest player I've ever seen with that kind of size, 6'4", in high school, point guard, end to end. I thought he was extremely athletic in high school. Uh, St. Joe's of Alameda is where he played. It just completely blown away. Like, wow, there's a player like that in the Bay Area. You know, and that's when you start thinking like, wow, this is this is possible. I'm not I'm not there yet, but I'm one of the best in San Jose. How do I get there? Uh, I just said you, you normally see the guys in New York, the New York Gauchos, Felipe right. Lopez, Stefan Marbury. Right. You know, you see everybody right. elsewhere. I didn't You're see it in the Bay Area too. before. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so that was one. But also I dated a girl um, in college and um, her father was Phil Smith, who played for the Warriors oh, wow. from, from okay. San Francisco. And, and I, I, I never saw Phil obviously play um, up close, but when I got to know him, when we were dating and I got to know him, he was such a, such a, uh, a man who spoke about business and he since has passed a rest in peace to him. Um, but he, any interaction that I had when I was with her around them at the house, him coming on campus, anything. He, he didn't speak about basketball much. He spoke about business. He spoke about investing. He spoke about things that appreciate. We had one conversation, I believe, about basketball, and he asked me, uh, could I shoot from every spot on the floor? Really? And I said, he said, he said, how can you take a shot? You're going to be in that situation in the game. Have you worked on that shot? Have you worked on that position? A little two-dribble pull-up, three-dribble pull-up, short, short pull-up, short floater. He said, that's when you get to the point where your mind is thinking like that, every situation that that's, that's where you have to go as a basketball player. But, you know, I was in, in awe. obviously he's her father um, and I'm in awe because he's a guy that won a championship with the Warriors played in the NBA. 
but more so, I mean, he taught me how to tie a tie at, at 20 years old, 21 years old. And it was impressive for me to, to, you know, go into this man's presence, dating his daughter, and to know that the only thing he cared about was uh, his kids, his family, and then just what you get out of the experience, not just being a basketball player. He was such an, a man about investment. And so as a Bay Area guy and as a mentor and someone that – and it was a very short experience. I didn't know him long. I didn't know him extremely well. But I, I'll never forget just kind of how I thought about him from, from afar and the small interactions I had. Man, that's great that you were – able to have that kind of access to him and uh, have him impact you the way that he did. I remember Phil Smith, uh, as you mentioned, as a player with the with the Warriors, and I believe they beat, beat Washington that one year, Elvin Hayes and Wes Unseld and Mike Reardon and those guys. I'm, I'm a little older than you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I remember Phil Smith as a smooth, smooth cat yeah, yeah. on the basketball court. Uh, hey, Lloyd, thanks Thanks for joining us. Um, uh, we're going to wrap it up. And uh, I just want to say this has uh, been really enlightening for me and enjoyable. And uh, you're an inspiration, man. You really are for for the players that you coach, for the community that you serve, from where you're from, and the people who have come in contact with you. I want to tell you, you're doing a great job fighting the good fight. Uh, I'm going to ask that uh, God cover you and keep you strong and that... Uh, uh, you might be able to uh, accomplish the things that certainly are in your future, which I think are are very great. So thanks a lot for joining us here on uh, on the Basketball Jones. And um, I hope we get a chance to uh, spend a little bit more time with you and uh, maybe even your, your lovely bride. And don't want to wake up the little princess. It's her nap time, so we'll <laughs> let you go. Thanks. Thanks, Lloyd. No, for joining I, I appreciate you having me on, Mark. This is yeah. great. Yeah, the Basketball Jones every week. And don't forget, folks, uh, before we say goodbye, I want to let you know that uh, – Sports Business Classroom is coming up Thursday, every Thursday as usual with uh, Bo Estes. And uh, don't forget also live every Monday, episode seven coming up. Well, actually, it was just yesterday of uh, Pickup Game with our host on that show, Seth Greenberg. A couple of great shows. Don't forget to join in. Join us on hallpassmedia.com. You can find us at hallpassmedia.com. I'm Mark Jones. Another edition of the Basketball Jones is in the books. This one is cooked, glazed, and sliced. We'll see you later.